I have a dream that all men are created equal. about the way it is in the merry-go-round. You get on. You go around. Standing in the saddle. Man is born. Man lives. Man dies. Hello everyone, welcome back to Your Story. I'm your host Ian Cap and this is episode 17. As you know, I'm in Melbourne, uh, learning a little bit about doing this podcast thing while I'm mobile and uh, part of the challenge is to meet people who I find interesting and uh, get to sit down and have a bit of a yarn with them. Uh, sometimes those opportunities just turn up when you least expect them and uh, they're constantly popping up and I have to act act on them when it seems appropriate. This is one of those situations where I uh, acted on it and we got ourselves a nice little story. Just like to remind you that a little bit later this year, and not in too many weeks actually, July, August 08, I'm heading off to Europe and I'm always after people to uh, get me into the scene. So if you know anybody in Europe, particularly Berlin, south through Tübingen, Leipzig, and eventually across to the French Atlantic coast and London, uh, let me know, uh, particularly if they're really cool, interesting people that you think the rest of the world should know about. And remember, you can always get hold of me over at the site. Email is chat at yourstorypodcast.com. And you can always find the site at yourstorypodcast.com. You can get all the usual stuff over there, the iTunes feeds, the links, uh, all that sort of stuff. Remember, uh, I'm always up for a a bit of a stumble or a dig if you want to uh, support the show. Uh, Love to hear from you. The music, of course, from iota promonet. You can always go to the end of the uh, post and click on the link through to iota and there you can go and purchase the music if you like they always look after me by giving me the music for free so i can hand it out to you so if you feel like buying it it supports the artist it's a good thing all around now today's show i was having a beer with some friends and i got chatting with this fellow and he started having a bit of a rave he started you know what it's like when people are passionate they started getting into what he was really off on about and i just came off and i said hey craig this is what i'm doing do you want to come on my show and he went, yeah, sure. So we eventually caught up a couple of days later, and this is what he got to tell me about. It's all about heavy engineering, building motorbikes, racing sidecars, but truth, he's passionate about it. So uh, this is Craig's story. Hope you enjoy. It's the um, 15th of May 2008, sitting here having a beer with Craig Longhurst. Craig I met last night over a beer with Mel, who I'm going to record a little bit later tonight. And we started yarning, and I thought, goodness, there's a bit of a story here. So I've asked him to come on the show, and we'll see where this goes. Hey, Craig? Yeah, Um, You're into motorbikes, you're into sidecars, you're into the mechanical engineering, the fitter-type tradie work. So Hmm. tell us your story, mate. What's your passion? Want to talk motorbikes? Describe sidecars. Sidecars are a really strange creature. Now, sidecars uh, that I know are a motorbike with a carriage on the side. Oh, they've, um, they've changed. They've become something else now. They evolved from motorcycle and sidecar as separate units into being a complete chassis. 
and a dedicated vehicle. There's a three-wheeler that occupies two people, or has two people on it, rider and passenger. I've got a picture here somewhere that I could show you. No, 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 no. Show, show me later. Yep. They, um, they probably came around in about early 70s. They became a singular construction of thing. They're just strange. They're like a... I suppose they work like a catamaran in a funny sort of way. They take a person to steer it and another person controls ballast, I suppose, or just moves weight around. So th- keeps it this, isn't, this isn't grandma and granddad going to the markets <laughs> no. to get the groceries? Although, although I have seen grandmas and granddads on them. Uh, generally, no. no. But no. this is racing? Racing it has a whole different kind of person doing it. Yeah, we are kind of like the bastard second cousin of the motorcycle world. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and and is this the the sort of racing whereby the sidecar passenger is not only hanging off one side of the sidecar away from the rider, and then he, all of a sudden he's climbing on his back as they That's go it. fanging yep. around corners? Yep. Yep. To to change directions, to go left or right, you your passenger is the one that controls the stability of the vehicle there. So. For a right-hand corner, you have to climb over to the right-hand side of the bike. Generally, all sidecars are built with their passenger platform on the left now. They used to be left or right, but basically the world came in line so that all outfits were the same. So for a right-hand corner, you climb over, sit on the sit above the rear wheel or hang over the top of the rear wheel right behind your rider. To go left, you climb about a metre back across the bike Basically, it's just all hands and feet. You get tiny little handrails here and there. And so you so you're scrambling the whole time over these platforms, over the bike, grabbing bits of metal to hang yeah. on. And, yeah. and if you, remember you miss a grip, you're, ro- you're rolling the down the yeah, track. You're, you're bouncing <laughs> down the track, uh, running a real close risk of getting run over by the people who are right behind you. Do you remember being a kid and having monkey bars, or what they called monkey bars in the playground? So yeah. basically a big steel structure that you could just crawl all over. Imagine having to crawl from one side of that to the other while it's doing 160 kilometres an hour down the road. Okay, okay. That's sidecars. But you're not swinging, are you? You know, you're reaching down. Well, you're climbing, some... yeah. You're climbing. Okay. I mean, your hands and feet... And is there much centrifugal force? Lots. Yeah. Okay. Because so... the vehicle doesn't lean into a corner like a motorcycle. It stays flat in the same way that a car does. Okay. But because all of the weight, all of the stationary weight... <sighs> like rider and the rest of the bike is set down the right-hand side of the bike. Your passenger... But if, if it didn't have a passenger on board, you would turn right and the back wheel would lift up because none of the weight can move, whereas centrifugal force pushes it out, the back wheel lifts up, the whole thing slows down. Right. If it was to try and go around to the left without a passenger on board, basically the jib would just flip over because the light side or the left side... Is just out there in the wind. Centrifugal forces go that way. The rider side pushes down onto the ground. Chair flips over the top of it. Okay. So passenger okay. basically keeps the whole thing stable right. and has to move around in order to maintain that. Yeah, and it can be a case of five millimeters further out can keep it stable. If you if you moved in slightly more, you can lift the chair wheel. So the whole thing goes around a corner with one wheel in the air and on a slight angle. If you go out a little bit too far, you keep it flat, you'll drag. 
you'll take traction away or drive away from the rear wheel of the bike, so you can slow it down there too. So. Wow. So, so the passenger can be going backwards and forwards and can actually create less or more drag and yes. more, less or more efficiency. Yep. The passenger is very integral to how totally. well the drive, the rider can get around the corner totally. as fast. Yep. Yeah. So, um, I never knew that. Basically, your rider says, we're going to go this fast. And your passenger says, I'm going to let you go that fast. And I'll give you the most optimum, yep. optimum situation so you can to get, be able a, to do it, to get yep. around those corners yep. as efficiently as possible. Yep. Wow. That's so far away from what I would have imagined. I would have thought that the passenger was basically there for the ride almost. It's funny. It really is funny because the vast majority of people think that. And I'm even the vast when they majority see it, people. Well, yeah. Even when they see it, they kind of watch it and think, you're not moving much, so you can't be doing much. And while they do recognise that, or at least in their own minds, they say, they say, well, you're hanging on at 100 miles an hour. And there's no seatbelt, there's no strap, there's nothing behind you. It's just what you can hold with your hands. You're wearing full leathers and a helmet, yep. of course, aren't you? Yep, and body armour, boots, gloves. Yep. Most of gloves aren't necessary, but only the mad don't use them. Mm. But they kind of tend to look at them and think that you really aren't doing much because all you've got to do is hang on. What they, unless you actually have what, a go on one. What sort go. of forces are there? Yeah, how many Gs do you reckon? Two, three Gs going around a corner? Don't know. I've never been on a vehicle which has measured one G of force and told me that that's what it was. Yeah, well, one G is this, what we're doing right now. So two G is twice your weight. So, you know... It, it would have to be four. Wow. Close to four. Okay. feel like, yeah, the amount of load that's on your legs in certain corners, like really tight left-handers, there would be three close to four times your body weight that you have to hold up. Okay. Yeah. So not for very long often, it'd be only no, for one no, second. And it or comes so. in gradually. It doesn't it's not like being shot out of a cannon. Yeah, have you had just that? Have you done bang, that? Bang happening. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, but I did think about it. <laughs> I reckon it'd be a giggle. Okay, so so that's that's a bit of a passion for you. But mm. Craig, you're into you're into this cafe races. What's a cafe racer? A cafe racer is a style of motorcycle. It's essentially like a pared-down, lean, racing-style motorcycle. So it has high rear-set foot pegs. It has low, close-set handlebars. Um, like, a sports bike. like a sports like bike? Just like a sports bike. They're kind of like the, they're the forefather of the modern sports bike. They're the thing that provided that riding position. Anything uh, beyond anything other than a race bike... That, that used the same kind of seating position was essentially a cafe racer. That's what they were riding around in the 50s and 60s. The rockers um, were probably the rockers of the 50s and 60s were where the, the scene came out of and that type of bike. The type of bike has tended, you know, it's made it through all of the years and all of the changes, the evolution of motorcycles. You still see a few of them around. You don't see many of them. Most of the bike customizers that exist now are building, you know, the hundred thousand dollar Harley Chopper clone thing. Yeah, you know, they don't tend to want so, to build anything else. And that's what you're doing, isn't it? You're building these cafe races. Mm. Yeah, we we're not. We decided not to go down the road of finding English bikes because old English bikes are fetching, you know, more money than they're probably worth. And they have a collector's value that we don't really want to 
sort of tap into mm. take and away a bit of a, bit of a shame to actually chop up well it would be antique it bikes would be. get rid of something that, I mean there, there might have been a thousand of them built there might only be ten of them left it might make the perfect cafe racer but it's much more appropriate to leave it in its original form mm. yeah so what are you using ah, we use uh, little Japanese bikes uh, early 70s Early, well, probably early 70s through the early 80s. There's small things like anywhere from 250 to 400. Okay. Twins, uh, the occasional V-twin if we can find them. They're not very common, but mostly they're parallel twins and sometimes singles, single-cylinder things. Always got neat, nice little upright motors. They're simple, they go forever. It's Japanese motorcycles. Yeah. You can't kill them with a stick. Yeah. Uh, but there are a whole range of models of those that lend themselves to being cafe races. You know, they can be gotten relatively cheap, they can be worked on relatively cheap, and we're, our aim is that we can sell them relatively cheap so that this is not about getting rich, this is just about seeing a lot of nice motorbikes on the road. Yeah, well, this is your passion, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, this yeah. sidecars. Yeah. That's what we do when we're not at work. Yeah, well, that's right. Go to work. And we're currently sitting in your workshop, and I'll take a photo of you in a moment, and we'll put yeah. that up on the site with the workshop in the background, and it's just a classic mechanics workshop. It really oh, I wish is. I'd cleaned up earlier. Yeah. Oh, no, it's all right. We want to see a bit of grind. Hey, um, but what do, you, what do you do for a real job, mate? The real job's a strange one. At the moment, I pull power stations apart fix them and put them back together. Okay. What do you mean so, by power station? Wait, what, part, um, what part of the power station is your specialty? Well, predominantly we work on gas-fired power stations, so they're, they're gas turbines. Essentially, it's like, think of a, a 747 jet engine bolted to the ground yep. with an extra shaft sticking out the back of it. So that, that motive force is not used to make the plane move. It's bolted to the ground and all of that force is used to make a generator spin. Okay. So, so you've, you've got the fuel going in, generating, spinning the, the turbine, the fans yep. around, and which spins the shaft. Which runs through a gearbox and spins the generator. Which spins the generator, which produces okay. the electricity. Is there, is there thrust? Is there, is there, um, is there a, an airflow like you would with a 747 no. engine? No, they exhaust them out through an exhaust stack. Basically, the big stacks that you see at power stations is the exhaust pipe. Okay. Is it, is it high velocity like a jet engine? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. Some of, the, um, some of these things will that, use like of 13 litres of gas per second. Okay. Uh, yeah. That's well, it's a lot of waste if you want to look at it in a certain way. Well, I was just thinking, if you've got all this thrust going out up the stack, wouldn't it, yep. it's a bit of a shame that it can't be put into the shaft, but that's the way the technology is, well, I suppose. The thrust is actually a byproduct of the production of the power. Yeah. The thrust is just the air that comes out the other end. Okay. The power is already generated and is already, like, the turbine itself is spinning because of the the fuel consumption inside the fuel use inside and getting it to spin up to speed so while that thrust is the thrust is the thing that's used to get a plane off the ground the thrust is actually just an exhaust byproduct here right because it's the it's the spin of the turbine whereas in an aircraft engine the spin is is wasted the spin is the thing is it well Well, yeah the The spin spin is is wasted wasted in a jet engine whereas here the spin is used to generate electricity and vice versa so that runs so that runs through a gearbox basically it's a gearbox around about anywhere between 12 and 14 tons it's quite a big heavy item it's a big lump of steel but a gas turbine will run at, say, somewhere between eight and 10,000 RPM yep. and produce 
anywhere between 70 and 100,000 horsepower, a generator has to run at 3,000 RPM to produce 50 hertz. If right. it runs higher, it produces a different hertz rating and the power is not usable over a normal system. If it, pre- if it runs lower or slower and it produces 40 hertz, it's also not usable. Yep. 50 is the, what the system is set at being. All the power lines, all the substations, so all the, the power supplies. So is that the purpose of the gearbox to keep it so that... Is to keep the generator running at 3,000 RPM. Ah. Yes. Ah, yeah. okay. Uh, so as the turbine fluctuates in its speed, yep. the, they, the well, gearbox... There are sensors all over them. There are monitors everywhere that basically say it's we require more amps, so they load up the generator, electrically or magnetically load up the generator and they'll... Just, that will just dump more fuel into the turbine. So turbine still spins at the same speed. It's like car going downhill at 100 k's an hour and car going uphill at 100 k's an hour. It just takes more fuel to yeah. do it going yeah. uphill. If they require more power, it retains that 3,000 RPM speed, but it gets a, a, like a friction loading on it, which, which means, means that they're pulling more amps out of it. pulls more amps. Yep. But they have to put more fuel into the turbine in order to get it to do that. Yep. So it's like it just they have uphill and downhill moments. Okay. But so how does, that, how does the gearbox work to keep uh, everything um, even? Is it is direct it, ratios? There's not. It's not a gearbox like in the normal sense of well, in most people's normal sense of the word, like a four four speed, five speed automatic gearbox or anything. It's basically there are two shafts: input shaft, output shaft, and they have very big herringbone gears on them. One is a certain radius, yeah. the other one is another radius. So, but can it do a transition in gearage, you know, gracefully? No. no. Oh, okay. No, they wind them, they basically wind them up to speed and hold them at that speed. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So they can't, as the loads change and things, they can't just mesh between gears. No. no. Beautifully. No. Okay. And keep it running. No, it doesn't work that way. What they do is essentially. You you will not be producing power until you get up to three thousand RPM right. at the generator. Then you are, and, and it's all about maintaining that three thousand RPM. And that three thousand RPM is maintained with fuel being dumped yep. in and regulating yep. it that way. Okay. Ah, okay. Gotcha. Funny things, gigantic things they are. They're, they're huge. Like a a generator could weigh. You know, the generator package, its outer shell and shielding can weigh anything up to like one hundred and twenty-five tons. The rotor what, what, shaft. What physical space would that be? Um, would it be the size of a one-bedroom unit? Well, the size of a three-bedroom house. It's kind of funny because they're they're very they're really solid, so they're kind of like just a, a little bit fatter than, than a, car? a fuel tanker, like a semi-trailer's fuel tanker. Okay. They're a little bit fatter than one of those, but there's there's very little airspace in between them. Lots of it's like it's just lots and lots of metal, and they're full of copper, which is a heavy metal. So it's like they that 125 tons. It will all fit in five metres width, five metres height, and ten metres of length. Right. And just of. about solid metal. Yep. Dense. Right. Yeah, it's like okay. the, the crawl spaces inside them are always very small. There yeah. are lots of tiny little access panels. Do you enjoy the work? Sorry? Do you enjoy the work? I love it. Why? It's, this, this would be most people's version of hell. Um, because they're... I don't know. I love it. I think I was probably always made to be doing this. You know, they're, they're like... Did you ever have Meccano when yeah, you were a kid? I did, as a matter of fact. Well, imagine never having to give that up. 
Now, Meccano, I always found to be fun to, to make things, pull them apart and make them again. Little nuts and bolts and screws Tiny and bits of metal and holes and, and you yep. put it all together. All of that, you can yeah. build a very complex item. But at a certain age, you stop doing that and you go out into the world and you do what you do. I got a job building very large-scale Meccano stuff. Okay, so you're still living your childhood in a lot of ways. Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah, it kind of hasn't stopped yet. That's good. And then the motorbikes is a variation on that too. Well, yeah, it's just a continuation of the same thing. It's it's all about the fun of it. Yeah? Like we, I think we're here once, you know. Like you get one turn around. This is not a practice run. There's no point pissing about and waiting for it to get better, go and make it better, or just do the thing. You know, I, I suppose I always figured I was just going to do what I wanted to do because I could be dead later on tonight. Motorcycles, I've been around them ever since I was a child, you know, you just... I can't get away from them. Yeah. They're fun. Yeah. They're, we, even we, when they break your legs. <laughs> and have you broken yourself a few times? Yeah, broken a few bones so far. A lot of them not with motorcycles, but I think I'm up to 39 bones. Oh, goodness. Yeah, goodness. I broke my back once a long time ago. That's not good. Took a while to get over it. I'll keep you posted about the land speed bike. You're building one, eh? Yeah, yeah, building a land speed sidecar. Been sort of. A land speed sidecar or a land speed mo- motorbike? Sidecar, a sidecar, three-wheeler. Yep. Okay. Yep. To to go salt racing, do land speed record attempts. It's kind of, I think the thought's been in the back of my head for a good few years now. Only over the last couple of years have a few of my friends gone salt racing, and I have been a little bit inspirational. And a couple of other things have come about, like a few other things that I've built over the years, over the last couple of years have sort of confirmed for me that I could do it and can do it and do have you know, the engineering knowledge and capacity to build a chassis and design into it its geometry and all of the things I need so that I don't have to go and employ somebody to buy you know, and buy a bike from them. I can just build the thing essentially from scratch myself. You know, I buy in a set of wheels, I bring in an engine, the rest of it I can make, or rather we, because... My workmate Rowan and Mel, workmates Rowan and Mel, both have you know, their own fields of expertise. Mm. So we'll be using all three mm. to get this thing built. Mm. But I'll keep you posted about okay. that. Okay, okay. We'll keep you posted about that. And, well, yeah, and thanks for coming on the show, Craig. Appreciate uh, it. It's good to hear your story, mate. Thank you, Ian. Ah, absolute pleasure, mate. See ya. See ya. There are eight million stories in the naked city. This has been one of them.